Hey y'all, it's Jessica DeLindy Dykeman with The Courageous and Kind Project. We're featuring stories of women who are living out their God-given purpose through big and small moments of courage and kindness. At Courageous and Kind, we want to create a community of women who are courageous to overcome their fears and who are kind to one another and to themselves. We want to hear and share your story. Help us share God's love by sharing your courageous and kind story. Hey, it's Jessica DeLindy Dykeman with the Courageous and Kind podcast. I am excited for you to listen to this podcast. This was done in Waco, Texas with two of my dear girlfriends, Amanda and Elisa, and it's live. It was great to be in person right before the COVID-19 pandemic hit, and these two girls are such an inspiration to me as they walk out their calling as women who love the Lord and they just really demonstrate God's love and his mercy and his grace in life. And so without anything else, I cannot wait for you to get a hold of this interview. Here is Amanda Skoski and Lisa Gargangorio. One of the things I'm most excited about these two girls is that one, I've had the privilege of knowing them, I think we said five years now, and um, we got together and, and started a book club in 2015 and just have walked through a lot of life in the last five years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I really admire about these two girls is that um, they have been such examples for me and now a new mom being able to see them um, have healthy marriages, happy homes, be able to be a wife, a mom, a friend. They work outside of the home. They do what they can create the best life for their family. And then also, they also realize what they can't do and where to have help and who to ask and you know, just be able to find that really beautiful balance because I mm-hmm. think sometimes as women and as mamas that we're really hard on ourselves and we expect things to look a yeah. certain way or be a certain way and they're not or just the reality of we can't have it all, we can't do it all, we can't be it all, but with some help, we can do a lot. Yeah. I think that's really important what you just said, Jess, because I get asked a lot of times, um, you know, in social settings, like, how are you doing it all? Or like, I can't believe you work too, or whatever. And I want to tell people, and I do usually respond is that I have help. I have, we have a full-time nanny. My husband helps tremendously. Like you cannot as a mom do it all, but you can pick the things that you feel God has called you to do and the places he's called you to spend time in your life. And you can say like, I need help in this area, right? I don't have the time to do all of everything I do and clean the house. So we have a house cleaner, right? That comes in once every other week, right? But that's just one example of like, you cannot do it all. You cannot be all to everyone. So you have to pick the areas that you think God has said, this is where you're supposed to be right now. And you have to say, if I, if these are the places that I'm choosing to spend my time, where can I invite help in? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, because it's such a lie that you can do it all and you can be it all to everyone. And we're not called to that. And we don't have the ability to do that, right? So it's okay to ask. Yeah, I have completely done away with the idea of perfectionism in every day and what being a mom and a working mom looks like and just thrown out the the idea that it has to look one particular way and yeah. that it should be this way for one. Mm-hmm. So I have found that really helpful that works for my family I do remember being that, you know, judgy mom early on and saying, I would never let my kids do so and so. But as you just get in the rhythm, you just find what works and it may not always be the best way, but it's working for you in that moment. Yeah. And God is there to guide you and get you through it Mm -hmm. and into the next day. And the next day, sometimes it's truly, it's so exhausting that you, you just wake up and you just need to get your head to the pillow. So it's Mm -hmm. just one of those. I totally understand. We're in, you know, early infant stages of life right now. And we have really adopted the saying, whatever works. Mm -hmm. And to be able to 
let some of those expectations go, let this perfect picture go and say where right now, just today, can I honor the Lord? Mm -hmm. And somebody... I, somebody had given us this advice, or maybe I had just taken it from being around y'all. Somebody had said, pick a few things that you want to be really good at. Mm-hmm. Pick three, you know, three or four things that in your house, these are our values. These are the things we want to be really good at and be really good at that. And yeah. everything else can you know, just come and ebb and flow as it needs to, but to find our focus. And I, and I love that you know, knowing you well and knowing, you know, as working mommies, you, you each have a commute, a long mm-hmm. commute, yeah. um, every day and spending time in the car and, and really knowing y'all that you make the most of your time in the car and trying mm-hmm. to figure out just making things work for what season of life we're in. And I think yeah. someone listening to that, the mama that is trying to do it all, the wife, you know, that is, is there and trying to figure out how to love her husband and love her kids that it it can be done. We just not everything can be done. Yeah. And so I really Mm -hmm. love that almost permission to say, Hey girl, you don't have to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. Choosing what you're going to let go of to make time for the things that God is telling you is a priority and everything is a season, right? There's things we've let go of that we loved in our lives in the season that they were in. And we've had to say, these are really good things, but they can't exist right now in the same way that they did exist because we are choosing to prioritize our marriage, our, you know, children or whatever it might be. And, and having, the, uh, the flexibility and the adaptability to listen to what God's telling you for the season, right? Like, and to be flexible and adaptable and say, this, this has to be put to the side for right now. And having the grace for yourself to say like, you know what? I thought I would never do this, like Elisa mentioned, but this is how we are getting, this is how we're getting it all done. This is how we're making it work. And having the grace for yourself to like, let go of those ideas and let go of those things you were holding on to and say like, I can change my mind and it's okay. And I don't have to do, I don't have to do it all. Right. Another thing I was thinking of being a working mom and a commuting mom and, um, just, you know, trying to get through the day is just, I think our, in our case, since we work out of the home, um, it is a lot more, I'm a lot more conscientious of our, um, our, our time, our hours mm-hmm. that we're given in a day. We only have, we all only have a certain amount of hours, but I feel like they're just even more precious. So, um, it is trying to figure out how to navigate that, like who to spend those extra few hours with having that girl time. And then also having that family time and just having that whole balance and getting it all together. And, um, we've all talked about how tricky that can be is that it's just so precious, but we want to, we want to do it all. Um, and how do we go about that? So it's just been real interesting to see, um, how it all works and how the Lord does make it work. Like we've been mm-hmm. able to keep these yeah. friendships. I mean, this trip to Austin has been such a pleasure just that we carved this out in November. Mm-hmm. We said, we're going to do it girls. We're going to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And we're all moms and our husbands, again, we have that support and they, they let us and the Lord, you know, made it happen. Provided for that. Two things that make me, you know, really think about that you had said, Elisa, is one, it, we planned this girl's trip five months ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is really, the, it, it, five months ago, we yeah. picked this date and planned this trip and here we are. And two, our guys are at home. And they, you know, supported some girl time, knew that we needed to be refreshed. For me, having a five-month-old, you know, I haven't slept through the night in five months. (laughs) And this is my first time, and it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and each of you, I mean, just having multiples and, and, but having men that are committed to being there and being present and taking on and each of our guys this weekend have had help in some way or the other and my sister-in-law so graciously flew in for the weekend to really help Monday and Friday 
And, you know, my husband had a daddy-daughter dance with just my daughter. And some really sweet friends watched my son so that he could have that time. We called in the – I I had Tom call his mom and stepdad and to come down on Saturday to give him a little relief and some extra hands. And not that he couldn't have done it himself, but it was like thinking ahead and saying, how can we make sure this goes smoothly at home so I don't have to worry about it and think about it while I'm here? Absolutely. And the reality is we're missing things, you know, this weekend. And I think Charlie tried bananas for the first time and hated (laughs) us. And daddy-daughter dance, you know, and just other things, the fun things that your two are doing. But it also gives them an opportunity to be there and have those special memories with the kids. And so I think, you know, as as wives and moms, it's so important to let our guys Mm -hmm. be husbands and dads and give them some room to do that. And so, you know, I mean, with y'all being married close to a, a decade and eight years and now having babies, where have you seen, um, really the biggest and best, you know, places in your marriage and in your family to let your guy thrive? Yeah. So I got the best advice I got when we were pregnant was to fully let Tom help and be a 100% equal partner in raising the kids. And they gave me this advice that look like your God gave your husband or your kids these this dad and that like in order for them to become who they are supposed to become, they need the influence of their dad. They need their dad to be who their dad was created to be so that they can take the best, you know, of, of each of you. And, And so they had given me the advice very early on to not, you know, to not care about the small things like, yes, you, your husband may do it a little differently than you do, but your kids need to see the way that he would do it. And so it allowed me to step back as a mom and look at what was, you know, like letting my husband participate. And he's phenomenal. He's really great with the kids, but it allowed me to not care about the little things like, you know, he gives them a bath differently than I would give him, or he does, you know, he fixes dinner differently than I would or whatever. And instead look at it and go, is this, yes, he did it differently than I would have, but is it dangerous? Is it a problem? And if the answer is no, to let him be who he is Mm -hmm. as a dad and let the kids see each of us as parents and learn from that. And it was just, it was the best advice because it allows me to step back, let Tom, you know, be Tom and be a great dad for our kids and not be nitpicking or criticizing or feeling like I have to do everything because I need it done my way. Like there's lots of different ways to do it and his way may be a little different, but he, he's great as their dad, you know? And there's some freedom in that too. Tons. I mean, a lot of freedom and, and we as women love control you know, and mm-hmm. I, and God has designed us to be really the heart of the household yeah. and to make that run. Mm-hmm. And uh-huh. so to be able to have that freedom to let your man do it, although it may not be the yeah. way, you know, but, but so Alisa, I, yeah. what are your thoughts on that? I am so blessed that I have the man that I do. He is my calming force. He knows me so well. He knows when I'm getting anxious, when I'm stressed out. I am an overanalyzer, and I pick things apart in my head to the fullest. And he knows, and he senses when I'm getting like that. Um, and he's just great about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll lend a he'll lend a helping hand with the kids. I don't see it as I found that a lot of times in talking to other mothers that don't necessarily have a partner or have a partner, but aren't as willing. And I find myself so blessed that my husband is able to do these things and willing mm-hmm. to, and doesn't see it as a babysitter. Yeah. I kept hearing time and time like, Oh, totally. my, my husband has to watch the kids to, well, he shouldn't have to. Mm-hmm. It's part of his job. It's a two way street. Mm-hmm. Um, so I am just, so grateful that the Lord blessed us with that Mm -hmm. and that from the get-go he woke up every night feeding I have twins and so they were preemies and they just I couldn't have done it any other way there's just no Mm -hmm. way um 
and he was there from the get-go and he's just been there and he yeah the Lord did something special yeah. with him and us together he knew what he was doing it's just mm-hmm. a dynamic and it works for us and we're mm-hmm. just yeah I feel happy. the same way with Tom it's like from yeah from the very beginning he was a full partner mm-hmm. in in it he was up you know as many times a night as I was and he's the first one when somebody says oh you're babysitting this weekend or whatever he's the first one to 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 kindly say mm-hmm. like no, I have the kids this weekend or, you know, no, I'm, I'm not babysitting. It's my dad weekend, like, you know, or or something of that nature. He's the one that as much as me is trying to like turn that conversation that the dad's the babysitter when mom's away to no, I'm a dad. This is my child. This is my child. Yes. (laughs) You know what I'm expected to do, but society doesn't see it like that a lot of times. And Mm -hmm. And he, oh, I was just going to say, it's just these social norms that is expected in society. And, and it's always, you know, you don't get that biblical background and that teaching, especially where we live in Southern California. I think it just adds to that. It's just this me culture and just go, go, go busyness all the time. Mm -hmm. And just, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to see society doing that. It's in your face all the time. And then, you know, still go home, but we do the best we can. Again, we do our devotions together. Um, I just, yeah, we're at a great church. That's how we all met. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I don't know if we said that. Um, back in a book club. And yeah. oh, it's just, yeah, it's just keeping it all together. Yeah. And the other thing that I think, too, is there's something to be said about when your friends are modeling healthy marriages and healthy families, that is really contagious. And so I think as Damien and I work to be, you know, what we say is in our family, we want to love God first so that we can love each other and then love our baby and Mm -hmm. get that order of our household set Mm -hmm. and to be able to have Friends that model that is very special and very encouraging. And as you said, most of the time, not the social norm. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to say, okay, Lord, you have given him a role. You have given me a role. And here's where we are. And ultimately, at the very end of the day on this life, in life on earth, Mm -hmm. is to raise kids who love the Lord. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's all that really matters. Everything else is secondary when you put it in that perspective. And so going about that and doing really the best we can, what comes to your mind when you hear the words courageous and kind? Courageous and kind. Yeah. So I think um, it's a godly example of a woman, first Mm -hmm. and foremost. That's when I think of um, is just somebody who is... um, you know, puts their best foot forward, someone who models behavior that you would want your children to see. Um, I try to see, I heard something the other day that like, you know, whenever you get home, so my husband's usually home before me, he gets, he goes into work earlier than I do and he gets out of work earlier and he actually picks the kids up and does all that. Um, no matter how hard the day is, I always like him to see me with a smile on my face when I walk in. I want my kids to see that that like it was worth it, that it was hard to be away from them, Mm -hmm. but it was a good day. And so I still go and I give my husband a great big kiss and then, you know, it's settling in. So I think hopefully that exemplifies to them um, kindness and um, security and just being the women's God called, God has called me to be. Um, And yeah, just, just, putting your best foot forward every day. Mm-hmm. Amanda, what about you? Yeah. When I think about these words and like, I really look at what they mean and, and, you know, how I live them or try to live them. You know, I think about a woman who really is walking closely with the Lord and has the courage to be who she is 
is called to be in hit by him, mm-hmm. right? And the courage to act in the way that God tells us we're supposed to act in the world, even though it doesn't always go along with the culture yeah. or it might be hard to do. And the, you know, the the woman who is kind to the people that she is interacting with, the people who God has made in his image. And and so really it's an alignment with, you know, with God's wishes for our life and God's direction in our life and the courage to carry those out and an alignment with who God says every person on the earth is and an alignment with how he calls us to treat those people, right? So that's when I really thought about it for a few minutes, like that's where I got to about, um, you know, courageous and kind. I think two things, sometimes I find that to, to be courageous and kind, sometimes the hardest place to start is at home and it is easy to be courageous and kind to strangers, but in your home, um, I find that that's where really it all starts. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm thinking about the woman listening. That's like, that's great. Your husbands are so fantastic, but I don't feel like mine is sure, Mm -hmm. you know, and to that girl, that's just feeling like that, or we're, or maybe you're in a season of life that, you just feel defeated in your marriage and, and worn out and broken. And it doesn't seem, you know, beyond repair, just in a really hard spot. And I would first and foremost, you know, or maybe you're waiting on him to do something or whatever that just really hardship might be. I just want to encourage you to first go to the Lord. Mm -hmm. Then that, that fix quote unquote, or that encouragement really has to start with us. Yeah. as women yeah. and as wives and moms, that we go to the Lord every day and we're we're opening our Bible, we're praying, we're, you know, we're working on our hearts. And in the Bible, in the New Testament, it talks about um, as women and, and wives being able to be won over, to be able to win people over and win our husbands over by our acts. Yeah. And just by our godly testament. And mm-hmm. so, you know, if you're in a spot where you're like, man, my husband doesn't X, Y, Z, or he, you know, isn't X, Y, Z, then I would encourage you to um, open your Bible, to pray, yeah. and to find some godly counsel yeah. in that. And that, to me, is so important in that godly accountability, godly counsel piece. Yeah. I think, you know, I'll share a little bit about this and I hadn't planned to share about this, but since, since that's where the conversation (laughs) is gone, um, I would share that what Jess just said is so important. Um, My marriage, even in a good marriage, right? You go through harder seasons. And we went through a season um, of giant change um, about a year and a half ago. And we went through a year, our our daughter was diagnosed with a really rare disease. She ended up needing brain surgery. We took her cross country for that. She, you know, has cerebral palsy. We don't know what her abilities will be the future looks really different for us all of a sudden and really uncertain, you know, still to this day of exactly what the future looks. And that puts a tremendous amount of stress on a marriage. And in the middle of that, my husband's job moved after 23 years and we chose not to move with it. And that puts a tremendous amount of stress on a marriage. And so we, our marriages don't exist in a vacuum, right? Like they are influenced by all kinds of other things in the world. And even good marriages have really tough seasons. And we got the advice to seek godly counsel and we found a godly counselor. And um, I just would really tell you to have the courage to do the work, have the courage to, like Jess said, open your Bible and pray every day that God would restore your marriage. Have the courage to believe that he would do that, right? Have the courage um, to act in the way that you should act as a wife, even when you don't feel like it, even when your spouse maybe isn't giving you that back and that's one-sided, right? And, and by doing these things, 
it will, you know, it's going to help the, the issues. And so we had, you know, we had a really rough season and, um, we have come out of it so much stronger. We had a very strong marriage. The rough season was such a shock for both of us, I think. And because we, you know, quickly sought help and because we both went to the Lord, like, God, you know, there were times when I didn't know what he had for us, but um, he completely restored our marriage in such a beautiful way. And so I think what you were saying, Jess, like to the woman who maybe doesn't have what we're describing, one, we don't have that at all moments of every single day or at all seasons of our marriage. Marriage is our seasonal too. And, and you can come out the other side of that, that, that season, whether you have a willing participant or you're dragging him along in the name of the Lord. right? <laughs> As we talk about life, what has been one of your most courageous mm. moments? Yeah. For me, and I know Elisa's got a great story on this too, but for me, it's what I I alluded to about my daughter. I mean, I feel like our whole year of 2017 or 2018 um, was a string of courageous moments. You know, we had a four and a half month old and she wasn't hitting her milestones and we went through testing and fast forward three months and she's being diagnosed with a really, really rare brain disorder. And we're, you know, searching and planning a trip to Boston for brain surgery. And I feel like those were some of my most courageous moments, like the courage to, um, you know, advocate and fight for your child and find the care that they needed, Um, the courage to believe and trust God that like this was his baby and that his will would be done and that we could rest in peace with that in, you know, knowing that, that whatever he had for us in this was ultimately good, right, and trust him with her. Um, and you know, the courage to, as hard as it was through a whole year process, just kind of lay down our expectations for what things looked like and choose to believe that whatever he had for us was better than what we had planned. Um, you know, as all of that, as, as everything changed and everything looked different, like that to me, that year was just, huge amounts of, of courage for, for us as a family, as we, as we did those things. And so those were my, my most courageous moments, you know, and obviously like handing her over to that, uh, that surgical team as they, you know, and then walking through those doors, you know, and feeling just nothing but the peace of God come over us. Um, you know, those were, those were our most courageous moments that, that year. And I think you're also living your courageous moments every single day that, that it didn't just stop with the brain surgery and you're continuing to live each day and move forward with a lot of unknown and a lot of hope and, and some, you know, anxiety, anxiety may not be the right word, but just anticipation for what the future holds for her. And, and we've talked a lot about what right. to learn long-term care looks like and, and just all of that. And I think I remember you saying, when you look at the big picture, it's extremely overwhelming. But when you look in today, yeah. you can do today. Yeah. That was, I think, one of the biggest things that God had taught me that year was just how to walk in the space that we were in, right? And that I just kept hearing him. If I looked too far ahead, if I looked at what people were saying about Avery's condition at, you know, 10 years or at 20 years or what life looked like her as an adult and, you know, and how you care for a kid that maybe is ends up in a wheelchair, um, you know, and has disabilities, what their life looks like and what you're going to have to fight for when they're... different stages of their life, I just felt overwhelmed. I felt so much fear. I felt almost paralyzed by it. Like I cannot handle this. I'm not, I I am not good enough for this. You know, like I can't, I don't have the skills to do this. I don't have the personality or whatever it might be. And I just heard God over and over again telling me that he 
would care for those things when it came, right? I heard God telling me over and over again, I don't need to be the person that can advocate for 15-year-old Avery or 20-year-old Avery because I have one-year-old Avery or I have two-year-old Avery and that he has equipped me to do what I need to do today and tomorrow and, you know, in the near future for her. He's given me the skill set that I need. He's given me the knowledge base that I need and that by the time I get to 15-year-old Avery or 20-year-old Avery, he will have built those skills in me to advocate the knowledge base. He will have, he will give me what I need for those times, but he has given me what I need for now to be her mom in the here and now the present. Um, And just that like having the courage to trust that I don't need to do it all and learn it all on my own. Because by the time I get to these future things, he's going to have given me those you know he's going to have have made me who I need to be to face those times it's so beautiful to hear you say that and to have heard you say that on many occasions and one of the things that gets into my heart thinking about this and Elisa you'll have something to say about this too Mm -hmm. in just a second about these I keep going back to Psalm 139 and fearfully and wonderfully Mm -hmm. made and and just to give you as the listener some perspective. Um, Amanda and Tom weren't able to originally have children mm-hmm. naturally and yeah. went through IVF and had this, I mean, wild, fun, rambunctious, loving little boy. Mm-hmm. And the doctor said, hey, if you want another child, you'll have to do it again. And the next thing we knew, a couple months later, we were at book club and, you, and I remember you saying, you're not going to believe this. Uh-huh. Asher was, um, Asher was at that time seven months old and the doctor at our like postpartum visit had sent us (laughs) about our merry way. He was like, you're not going to get pregnant. Like, you know, go about, go have fun, fun," you know? And so seven months, you know, seven months later I am pregnant and Tom and I are, down near panicked because it was so natural because it was so we just didn't we never expected it and you certainly didn't expect it seven you know we've got a seven month old we're not sleeping through the night yet we're like exhausted and we're come again and we're like I'm sorry you said what you know um so yeah, it was it, Avery's whole life from her conception on has been surrendering to the Lord and surrendering to his plans and a constant choosing of the fact that his plans are better than our plans and just having to, you know, every time we question it and going, you're doing what we're, we're having a baby Lord, you know, like yeah. knowing that like his plans are better than ours and surrendering yeah. ours and choosing to fully live into his. You know, when we think about God answering a prayer or just really miraculously giving us something, I think sometimes we assume that in the miracle, it's going to be perfect. Right. Yeah. And yeah. you have this miracle baby who by God's grace gave you Avery and when she was born she has special needs. Yeah. And so I keep going back to God absolutely has a plan as he does for everybody but for this particular girl. Yeah. And that you know in in just his perfect design that this is Avery and she is going to get to share so much of God's glory mm-hmm. and how special yeah. that is to see y'all walk through yeah. that and Alisa, I mean, and times two for you over here. I mean, if you will, just we were talking about miracle babies and talk about these twinsies. Yeah, well, they were not an easy job to get here. That's for sure. We struggled with infertility like crazy um, for several, several years. And actually, Mm -hmm. I was reminded that's how Amanda and I met. Yeah. In a Bible study, we just happened to be placed in a small group together. Amanda was sitting next to me, yeah, and it just so happened that we were talking about struggles and everything. And she says, "I I've been dwelling with the same thing. I've been, you know, I'm on that trail myself." And I I had just found out. I think at that time, no, my kids were two. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, around that time, I let her know. Yeah. I actually went through IVF to get my my multiples, and I went through um, two rounds. The first round and work. And then I also went through, um, many IUIs. 
Um, and the Lord in his time blessed us. And I always think back if the Lord had given us what we wanted then and there, they would not have been what we have now. You know, they are, they, it would have looked so different. The timing I don't think was quite right in that moment. And it was again, just waiting on his patience and just giving it to the Lord and letting them know that that is what he wanted in the end. That was mm-hmm. what it was meant to be. And so now, um, yeah, so the, the road, that was just the first part of my story. Once they finally got here, um, I was actually told that one of them would survive early, early on. Um, I believe at 14 weeks, I was going to a perinatologist, which is um, a doctor for high needs um, and um you know, multiples. And one of the doctors, we called him our downer doctor. He, um, (laughs) (laughs) he wanted to terminate the pregnancy at that time because, um, our daughter had always been growing at a smaller rate and he thought that she just wouldn't survive. So right then and then he, he gave us this whole speech. I remember my husband and I were in the office and we just shut it down completely. We didn't even let him finish. We're like, I don't care if there's special needs. I don't care um, if you don't think it's going to survive. The Lord will take care of him or her. And if the Lord wants to take it away, he will take it away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so from that moment, she kept growing, but she kept growing at a smaller rate. I had something called IUGR, which is um, inter- interuterine growth restriction. And basically what that is, is it's very common in multiples, but it's one of the babies um, tends to grow at a smaller birth weight than the other. And so the entire pregnancy, I was high risk and high watch and monitored like crazy. And um, there came a point where she ultimately stopped growing. Um, but my body just, oh, it, it's, it's an incredible story. And it's too long for this. But um, basically, long story short, is she came out perfect. And he came out perfect. Both of my children came out beautiful little babies. They were super tiny, one pound, six and a half ounces, two pounds, eight ounces. And they were in the NICU for three months. But throughout that entire time, Ryan and myself just never questioned. We had a indescribable peace about the entire journey. And it was hard and we were tired and we didn't know what we were doing. But in the moment, we just looked to God and we knew that's all we could do. He knew better than us. That's mm-hmm. so true. I remember when I hit my 29-week mark, you sent me a text and you were like, this is yeah. when the twins were born. And to think about just everything you know that each of you have gone through and we were talking about spending some time in the NICU and what that looked for you know, each of your families and, and then now being having that time behind us and just at each little point, God was so faithful Mm -hmm. and so sweet to provide. Yeah. And so what would you say to the girl listening right now that is just begging God for Mm -hmm. something and it Mm -hmm. feels like you're in the way, what, what would you tell her? I would tell her to hold on to the truths that you know about God, right? The Bible tells us very specifically who God is, what his character is. And when you're in the wait, it's so easy to doubt those things. I remember when we were waiting to find out exactly what was going on with Avery, when we were, you know, in the middle of test after test, when I was begging God to please let these tests not come back as, you know, as the doctors were saying they were going to, or to please let God, you know, let this, you know, cerebral palsy be, um, you know, minor and, and not very involved. And as I was begging God for these things and waiting and just feeling, you know, so lost and our whole worlds were changing, what I could hold on to was what I knew to be true about God. My mind would tell me all different things. It would tell me, this isn't fair. This isn't what you planned. This isn't, this isn't this, this isn't that. Like, how could a good God do this? Like, you know, like I would have these thoughts just like anybody else, right? Cause we're human. 
But the quicker I could capture them and tell myself who God was, the quicker I could move past it and believe that, you know, that the future was good, that I had a good God who loved me, that whatever this was, it was better than our plans for ourselves, that he had things he was going to bring out of it, that he was going to make impacts on others because of it, right? I could... Because I had a track record with God of times that he had done similar things, I could wait with more peace and and remind myself of all that to be true about God's character. Yeah, I'm thinking back to the time when we first started trying to get pregnant. Um, we were in California. We had moved. Um, we, we were a year into our marriage, basically, and we had moved to um, Florida for a little bit for a job that Ryan had taken. And I remember I was in a place where I was really struggling in my faith, Mm -hmm. and I think that was a moment where God used it to draw me closer to Him. Yeah. I had time. It was a period where I didn't, I wasn't working. Um, I was struggling to find a job. I was struggling to get pregnant. I had some great girlfriends that we met at our church there. Um, so I was just pouring myself into them. But I remember, you know, each and every one of them had kids. We didn't have kids. And pregnancy test after pregnancy test just was a letdown. And um, just going through that is so, so hard when that's your focus. And that's all you want so bad. Um, and that's when I would get into the word the most, I would just pour myself into it and just Mm -hmm. like, like you said, on your knees, like, Lord, like, this is all we want. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. how can we get there? And I think he used us, you know, to draw him in and let -hmm. him know that just, it's okay. It's okay. Everything's going to be okay. It'll work, you know, whatever, just be patient. That's what all I kept hearing. And yeah, in our case, he blessed us with not just one, but two. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I still, they're seven years old and I just, I, mm-hmm. I, they're just such, such a gift. And I just think about how, you know, how they were made, like the Bible verse that says how they were in their mother's womb and, and everything. And just how God per- perfectly orchestrated mm-hmm. them for me to be their mother is just amazing that he mm-hmm. would provide me of all people, you know, mm-hmm. so. I think. You touched upon those times that you grew closer to the Lord. I can look back at each of the times that we've gone through, you know, kind of what I'd call like a wilderness period, right? Those times where I wasn't, I was begging God and I was begging for anything. And, you know, like you were saying, Jess, to that woman that's in that period. And I can look back on my life, those few, those those several periods that that's been the case. And I can look and say that they have shaped my faith with God because of how closely I drew near to him at those times in ways that you just, you don't necessarily draw near to him when you're in a good period, when you're on the mountaintop, you know, like you don't draw near to him as desperately or, um, or at least for me, you know, like, but when you are just on your knees begging for anything from God and just, just trying so hard to just feel him, those are the, the times that, that really shape your faith and that really shape your relationship with God. I think we can say this. So going back to the beginning of our conversation and talking about, you know, how fabulous our husbands are and how great they are dads, we also have to say this is why. The reason why they're so fabulous is because in the hard times, they chose God. Yeah. We chose God. Even when it didn't make sense, even when it was painful, life isn't easy and we've been this weekend also talking about the idea of suffering and joy can coexist Mm -hmm. and um really we were talking about Catherine Wolf's new book Suffer Strong and just what that suffering really looks like in each of our lives on different levels and and sometimes waiting does feel like suffering although waiting draws us near the Lord and and God has good things in waiting. And I think in that waiting that we aren't to necessarily put our lives on hold, but to move forward, to actively wait, to continue to participate Mm -hmm. in life and Mm -hmm. what's right before us and simultaneously seek the Lord and depend upon him and to get to a place where each of us can say, 
not my will, but your will, yep. Lord. Yeah. And I remember when I was just having a really hard time in life, I had had prayed that prayer. I was I was in the car and just talking to the Lord on the way to, to work. And I had meant to say, how did I say it? May your will be my will. But instead, in that prayer... Yeah. As almost a Freudian slip, but really what was in my heart, may my will be your will. <laughs> yes. And I that came that uh-huh. story. I do too. That I remember came that day. right out of my mouth and shut me up real oh. quickly. Uh-huh. <laughs> because all of a sudden, I saw what was in my own heart. Yeah. And guess what? That changed my waiting. Yeah. It yeah. really did. And I yeah. think maybe not everybody has that that vocal, uh, you know, uh, point. But each of us in our stories have that point. Yeah. And, Alisa, you said it so beautifully that that month after month after month, looking at pregnancy tests, pregnancy tests, and you wanted a baby so stinking badly. Mm-hmm. And rightfully so. And God's saying... I have something in this wait for you that I need you to take your eyes off of what you want so badly to what I have for you that in my timing is so good. Mm -hmm. And now having healthy seven-year-olds that the Lord has prepared your heart for this time at seven years old, just like the Lord will prepare your heart when your babies, when Avery's 15 Mm -hmm. and Asher's 16 and you know, just all of that, that God doesn't waste anything. And that's what the girl listening right now needs to hear that God uses it all. God used our stories of infertility to bring Elisa and I together and ultimately to bring our whole group of friends together. Um, You know, I was sitting in a Bible study and we were struggling with IVF and we knew not one other person who had ever gone through IVF or been struggling with infertility. And we were three years in and we were about to start IVF after three years of trying. And um, I was just feeling so alone. And we were, a question came up at a Bible study and it was totally out of character for me to share so um, openly, but I just felt God telling me to like be honest with what I was struggling with. And so I shared it. And Elisa, who um, it was like the first night of our group, and Elisa, who was sitting next to me, um, she was so excited. She interrupted me and she goes, she goes, I've been there. I did IVF. She goes, I can be your person. And I and that was so out of character for me too, because I am an introvert. Yeah. I am like, I have this like people always say you're so so quiet, but when you speak, you speak with passion. And wow, uh-huh. there's a lot oh, yeah. going on in your yes. head. And- that is Elisa. <laughs> yep, I second that. <laughs> and I he utilized that time in my life. I was really feeling alone. I didn't have a lot of friends at that time. And I had been praying for friends and, um, you know, sharing and having Elisa chime in that she would be that, that person. Um, and then our group of girlfriends got together shortly after that. And I can now look back and see that like the waiting, God strengthened our marriage in that he strengthened and gave me a group of friends who have truly been such rocks for me who have reminded me in these struggles of who I am and who God is and you know and pointed me back to you know in moments where I was having a hard time pointing myself back to God like they God gave me those people in the weight and so the weight is not wasted like we want what we want right now but sometimes God says, you are waiting because I have something I'm doing yeah. in that wait, right? And we don't know, but every place I can look back where I've been made to wait, God had yeah. better things that he was bringing together in that time. Amen. I mean, and I think about that time too, that y'all met in Bible study, and then we had two, three other friends uh-huh. kind of in that same three. group. Three, there were six of us. And one of our girlfriends was like, let's do a book club this summer. Uh-huh. You know, we yes. don't really have anything going on. Let's do a book club. And in the planning of it all, um, my mom was in a car accident and ended up passing away. Yeah. You know, and I just remember going to that first, picking my heart up off the pavement, yeah. per se, and 
going to the first book club, I had absolutely nothing to offer anybody. Y'all, I mean, nothing Mm -hmm. to offer. I was such in a broken spot and was just there. And I think in my brokenness and in your waiting and in your, you know, in the season that you were in and where our other girlfriends were in, that it just really came with an honest conversation Yeah, and an honest need for God. Yeah. Yeah. I'm laughing because I'm thinking about how we started off as a book club, but it became so much more. And then we... We didn't even have books by the end of it because <laughs> we, we've read one. We book. had the Bible and we had one and a half. ourselves and we had <laughs> one life. And a half. Uh-huh. We had life, which yeah. is so much better than any book. Yeah. And we had the Bible. Yeah, and, it, and it, that that summer, yeah, it started the very first book club um, meeting. We were making scripture cards for Jess to yes. take with her to her yes. mom's funeral. We were writing those out and we didn't even know at that time how much we loved Jess. We no. just knew that, you know, this person that was in book club with us and was going to be our friend, like yeah. needed it and needed the word of God. And we, she came back and like you said, we mm-hmm. tried our best to love you through that. And that summer we had people who, of the six of us like somebody lost a job yeah. I I had a miscarriage and and you know Elisa was the one who had just come through such trials and yeah. was able to point us back to God and I think that's the beauty of friends in all different stages of life is is you know some of you are some people will be walking through trials actively some people will just have come through a trial and can point the way to yeah. you know the others and say this is you know what God did like it was just it was such a beautiful place of us all being able to be the ones that sometimes needed the reminder of who Christ was and sometimes be the one giving the reminder of who Christ was. And I find it so interesting that, you know, we were able to be so authentic so quickly. Yeah. Like we didn't hardly, hardly knew each other, but we were just jumping in and little did we know we had all prayed for friends. All of us. All of us were praying I remember that. Same thing. We had all prayed for friends, and I just, for me, I was in such a broken spot in my heart that I had no room to be any other thing but just broken. Yeah. And y'all, as friends, those scripture cards that you made me are still in my nightstand mm-hmm. and my most prized possessions in gifts. And to be able to have girlfriends that stand in the gap and pray for you, that give you godly wisdom and advice, that can look at each other and say, hey girl, that's actually not good. Mm -hmm. That is not good. Mm -hmm. That is not healthy. Mm -hmm. You need to get back in there, fight for your marriage. You need to, you know, pray for this or be here or show up or stand up for yourself at work and, you know, fight through that project or whatever that was. That was such a gift of friendship. And the fun part too, in that group is we were in all stages, stages of life. And what we all had in common was Jesus and a book or two in between. But we just to have that prayer time together, that friendship Mm -hmm. that just opened the door for so much and, and such a gift that really was. And so as we wrap up this conversation, what's one way that we can spread kindness? You know, we, we've talked about kindness in the home and, and the impact of, you know, of that. You know, Lisa talked about that with kindness with your kids and your husband. And um, I think that's obviously first and foremost, right? Are you, are you going to kindness first in situations with your husband and your kids? But I also think about um, just kindness in your everyday life. I I heard this analogy years and years ago, and it served me so well. I always remember it. And it was an analogy about the creator and the creation, right? And um, that, you know, if a little kid, if your child brings you this painting and, you know, you immediately are like, this is so beautiful. Thank you so much. You love this creation because of the creator of it. Not because it's great, because it's probably like a mess, right? It's like finger painting, right? At my kids' ages. But I lavish praise and kindness in my words on them because the 
the creator of the painting deserves it, right? And so this person had made the analogy to like the people that you're interacting with, right? That cashier at the grocery store, they may have been like short and rude with you, right? But you lavish kindness on them to the best of your ability, not because they're deserving of it, but because God, the creator, created them. And how you're treating the people around you is a reflection, should be a reflection of the creator, not the creation. And that's something that like stuck with me forever and that I try to remember, right? Like I try to remember in every interaction I'm having with everybody that like no matter how difficult they're being or no matter how hard they're making it on me in that moment, right? Just to try to go to kindness because of the creator because we're supposed to treat people as a masterpiece of God. I heard something real recently. I think it was on a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts because I have a lot of commute time. Um, And it reminded me to remember to like picture that the Lord is sitting next to you, even though you can't see him in any moment that he is there invisibly so that has really changed my way of thinking about some things, about, you know, how I interact, how I interact with coworkers who I may not necessarily see eye to eye with. Mm-hmm. But, and I think it also, you don't necessarily, it's like a quiet presence too sometimes. Like you don't necessarily have to be so vocal, but people will necessarily, well, they will definitely see that there's something different in you and that mm-hmm. there's this piece about you that you know, they may not be, if they're not a Christian, if they're not a believer, that they just see that spark in you and they want to know why, why, why are you so different? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the small things. It's the gestures. It's a smile. We were just talking, yeah. we went for a run yesterday and just, we're just, we're, we're doing the same study right now. Um, a Christine Kane study with the 2020, um, and just seeing people and recognizing no matter. So Jess told me she's made it a point to say a, a hi to the, someone running, you know, we were running down the street um, and we saw, you know, somebody who didn't necessarily look like, you know, he he had it all together and we still gave him a hello because he's still a person. Yeah. And the Lord still made him. Mm-hmm. To say, I see you. Yes. Yeah. There's something very special about that. Yep. So as we wrap up our time and catch our flights. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One question we ask everybody is, what is your favorite Bible verse? And so, Alisa, will you share yeah. with us what's your favorite Bible verse? Absolutely. Um, so I've struggled with anxiety um, since I was very young. Um, probably at co- in college is when it really struck into high gear. Um, so this one really speaks to me. But it's do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's from Philippians. Uh, Philippians 4, verses 6 to 7. I love that. Yeah. I go to that often. That is mm-hmm. just such a sweet reminder that God will, that us turning over our worries and our wonders to the Lord, that he will give us peace in exchange for our worries and wonders and how special that is. Mm-hmm. What about you? So mine is Psalm 62, 5 through 6, and I'll read it first and tell you why why it means a lot to me. Um, so it says, let all that I am wait patiently before God for my hope is in him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress where I will not be shaken. And when I was going through IVF, that two week wait after they put an embryo in there and you wait two weeks to find out if you're pregnant and if it worked, um, we had, you girlfriends had distracted me that whole two weeks. We had lots of fun, um, you know, so that I wasn't sitting there anxious about it. And on the very final day, it was the day we were going to find out if it had worked, if, you know, three and a half years of waiting was finally going to result in a baby and, um, I woke up really early. I woke up, I have to get up at like 5.45 to go to work. And I woke up at 3.30 and I could not sleep and I could not sleep and I could not sleep. And I was just so anxious for the day. And I jumped in the shower at like four o'clock. And I remember just like being next to breaking down in, in, you know, tears because I was just so anxious for the day. And I literally just heard as I was thinking in my thoughts, I heard wait quietly before God 
for your hope is in him, or my hope is in him. And I didn't know it was a verse. Like I didn't know where it was coming from, but it just, I remember feeling, feeling like I was hearing, wait patiently. Your hope is in God. It doesn't matter what happens today. Your hope is in God. And lo and behold, I'm like sitting there with Google right after my shower trying to find it. And it was there, almost the exact phrase I had heard. And, and it was, I felt like God had just given me that verse that morning and it has been such a a guidepost for my life as I've walked through everything with Avery, right? Is that I can wait quietly before God. I can put aside my anxiety, my, my anxious thoughts, my worries, my fears of the future because my hope is in God alone. Yeah, that's so true. That is so true. And, you know, going back to scripture cards and thinking about y'all making those for me, they God's word in my life has been such a soothing balm mm-hmm. and just something that brings the peace of the Lord when my heart's anxious mm-hmm. and to be reminded that my hope is for him and and so you know for that girl listening, we want you to open up God's word. There's so much that is there. There's hope. There's freedom. There's healing in that. Um, and that's what we pray. And so we wrap up every, we wrap up every interview with a prayer. And so let me pray for y'all, um, and your families. Lord, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you that we get to do this interview in person and have a girls weekend and, and be able to celebrate all that you've done in our lives, Lord. And we thank you that you don't waste anything that every single thing in the weight, in the disappointment, in the hurt, Lord, and in the healing, you will work it all out for your good. And we stand here today and we testify to that. I pray for Elisa and Amanda. I pray for their marriages, Lord, that you would protect them. I pray for their husbands and their kids and and your guidance. I pray that they will listen and hear your voice clearly and they will continue to be a light and a love for others. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did doing it. Such inspirational women and just an encouragement to walk out the plan and the purpose that God has for you right now in this season. And we just encourage you to be steadfast, to continue to seek the Lord and to be courageous and kind in everything you're doing. So thank you so much for joining us. Look us up on social media, on Instagram and Facebook, and we would love to hear more stories of your courageous and kind moments. Thanks again for listening to the Courageous and Kind podcast. If you have a story you'd like to share or know someone who does, please visit courageousandkind.org. Be sure to check out the Courageous and Kind stories tab. Take a moment to subscribe to our podcast and like us on Instagram and Facebook at the Courageous and Kind Project.